1: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic
0: Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Sunday roast, Spurs gorge on hapless Geordies. Thursday Night Live, a date for your diaries. And Freaky Friday, first-team football returns to St. James's Park for real. Yes, hello again. Uh, This is Pod on the Tine. I am Taylor Payne and I'm speaking very softly today because I'm guessing that the Athletic Senior Writer, George Colgan, is in a rather
1: delicate condition. George, how are you doing? If you could just keep the uh, keep the noise low, please. That would be that would be. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes, I, I have, I'm slightly delicate of I'm slightly delicate of head today. It is true. It is true. True to say. And why would that be? Well, a bit of a session <laughs> with Alan from work yesterday. bit of a session. Um, All right. Which I wasn't particularly going to mention, but then um, Luke Luke Edwards, our friend, has um, detailed my shame on Twitter. Me yeah. asleep in my own front room. But, um, but yeah, it was good. It was good. You had a nice day with Alan then, did you? I had a lovely day with Alan from work. And Luke. That's that,
0: That's very much friend in inverted commas now, isn't it, George? Yes.
1: For Luke. Yes.
0: I mean, very much acquaintance. <laughs> well, as long as you had a nice time, that's the main thing, George. As long as you had a nice time. Uh, and, of course, we're also joined by Newcastle United correspondent, Chris What? Hang on a second. What's that? Please lock the door. The door is now
1: locked. <laughs> uh, this is all I want to talk about t- this week. I don't want to talk yeah. about anything else apart from this.
0: I prefer just talk about George.
2: George's no, 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 no no,
1: no, no, no. Let's just talk about Chris.
0: No, we're past that now. Yeah, George, what happened?
1: Well, I, d- I don't know if really I'm the person to tell this story. I'm not sure. You know, perhaps perhaps Chris should uh, should detail. What this uh, reference is?
2: Well, George having snubbed me on the train, we were on the same train down to London on Sunday. And George refused to see me on the train all the way down. <clears throat> so then, as 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 you do, I went. I tried to go to to the toilet to use the facilities on on the train, and I uh, got into the. It was one of the ones with the sort of you press the button and the door slides. Across, so pressed the button, door to across, went in the toilet, and then I tried to lock, and the lock was like a sort of flick switch, but the it wouldn't it wouldn't lock. None of the buttons seemed to work, so I thought oh, maybe it's just maybe it's just what it does. So I uh, I, I used the facilities, washed my hands, then tried to try to try to try to, to get out of the toilet by pressing the buttons.
1: Very hygienic. To, disc- <laughs> to discover
2: that I was actually locked in said lavatory <laughs> on the train. Um, <laughs> In in the middle, I think I'd, we were about halfway down to London, so not exactly sure where we were. Um, but fortunately, I was I was travelling with, uh, with, the, with 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 a guy called Daryl who uh, works for LNER. I called Daryl, but Daryl did not answer my my phone call. <coughs> fortunately, I had my phone in my pocket, so instead, I was also travelling with uh, John Anderson, the former Newcastle United right back and oh. uh, BBC Newcastle. Come here. So I called John Anderson, and as you can imagine, John Anderson was very sympathetic to my situation. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And so he told me to he told me he told me to f off and hung the phone hung the phone up. And so I had to wait a couple of minutes until I was rescued by Daryl, who had to turn off the electrics in the in, in the carriage that I was in to then restart them to allow me to exit the toilet. So, yes I was stuck I was stuck in the toilet it was only for about five minutes but I was stuck in the toilet uh, on the <sighs> lnar train down to London the 825 A- train down to London on uh, on Sunday so yeah that was that was my I wish I'd stayed there to be honest given what happened afterwards but uh yeah that was the that was the highlight of my day yeah so
1: I can't really complain about Luke. Detailing my shame on Twitter because I did the same thing with Chris on Saturday and it got you one. It's, I've just looked, Absolutely it's got 1,300 yeah. likes. So I'm not really in a position. I'm not really in a position uh, to throw stones. But, uh, put on the tain's very own Frank Spencer. Yeah. Beautiful, hapless Chris. What a. I was just giggling to myself all the way through Sunday. Um, oh. at the thought of Chris trapped in the toilet on the train, having to ring to get released. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Um I did laugh like a drain when I read all of that.
0: It's absolutely brilliant, Chris. Chris, never change. Please never change. It would ruin the <laughs> podcast if you did. <laughs> Thank you. I'll anyway, take that as a compliment. Right. I'll take it as a backhand yes. compliment. Absolutely. Um, we'd run out of so much material if you change, if you start doing things properly. We'll be we'll be knackered. Anyway, uh, we are um, uh, trialing some new intro music uh, at the moment for the different sections on the show. So we thought we'd just give some of them a little uh, a little run out and see how they feel and see if they fit. Uh, here's new m- intro music candidate number one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i want to break free <laughs> very good i'm trying decide to decide which of the three of you and I'm including ollie are producing this i dislike most at the moment. i want it's, to it's a strong competition. i
1: want to break we
0: <laughs> very good right then yeah an absolute hammering down at Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday, a bad day at the office. Or oh, let's be honest, we had our asses handed to us, didn't we, Chris? It was an absolute, uh, it was an absolute shit show, and just like old times, wasn't it? Nice little bit of uh, <laughs> a nice little bit of familiarity there.
2: It was indeed. It was a very odd game. First half was it was a strange, strange match, and actually for, for the first forty-five minutes, castle did all right. Certainly defensively, there were the frustrated Spurs. They were compact. To stop them from from playing between the lines and switching. There was a couple of switches of play which caught them out a little bit, but in general, they sort of reverted to Ryan Fraser was covering back. Even Sam Maximan on occasionally occasion was covering back. Although there was one occasion where Sam Maximan was tracking Emerson Royale, and Emerson Royale... It looked like the ball was going to go out of play, so Alan Sar just decided he wasn't going to follow him anymore. And then Emerson Royal was able to get the ball and cross it in. Thankfully, Newcastle cleared it. But that was that was that was during the first half when as I say things were going okay. Yeah. Fabian Cher steps up, scores the free kick. And at that point you're thinking, oh, this has been a this has been a good, solid good start, yeah. first half. Then Newcastle switch off just before half time. Don't clear an initial corner from Son. Dan Byrne doesn't clear it. Then they don't react. To the to 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 the Corn Island St. Maximan then doesn't doesn't react to the second ball. Newcastle defensively don't react to the second ball. I think it's Matt Target who gets beaten to the ball by Davis. And so it's 1-1. But at half time you're thinking, not too bad. They continue this. At that point I was thinking they might lose this two or three-one, haven't given it a good go. But the second half was just abysmal. And I think it, it is the worst 45 minutes of football we've seen under Eddie Howe. It was everything that they haven't been i mean everything that they have been over the course of the last three months is is organized disciplined every single player has had a clear idea of what they're being asked to do out on the pitch and that game plan has been fulfilled defensively they've been solid they haven't always been brilliant defensively but they've managed to to find a way to do it whereas in that second half it didn't work out on the pitch. The players looked confused. That that they, they gave far too much space to Spurs. And actually Eddie Howe himself and his coaching staff tinkered probably too much and that just and, it, and for once it actually looked like the, the messages come on the pitch were confused as well. So that yeah, that second half was just hopefully an aberration because it was abysmal. It was absolutely
0: abysmal. I'm not sure exactly what the what the game plan was when they came back out at half time, but it almost felt, George, like they hit the panic button too early and they chased after the game far too soon there wasn't any need to go for it that much and, and they left wide open spaces and the one thing you can't do against Spurs is is play a high line and leave a massive gap behind you for people to run into
1: yeah it was very very ragged I was in I was in the away end I was going down there speculatively to to possibly write about being in the away end but it wasn't uh wasn't really the day for that
2: do you want to tell us about the three hours before the game what you did Josh? well
1: I basically stood outside the press room Chris as you as you will know um, I, I was on WAF time, so I stupidly did meet up with Chris um, when we got off the train, when, well, when he was finally released from the toilet. And um, <laughs> we went for a coffee, and then I got to the stadium at the same time as Chris. Now, Chris, of course, gets everywhere ridiculously early. I mean, three hours before kickoff. And I sort of had this idea in my head that I would walk around a little bit, but there's really nowhere to I'd forgotten that there's really nowhere to walk around at yeah. Tottenham. So I did walk around the stadium. But uh yes, I spent most of my time um standing outside standing outside uh, the stadium until until I could get in. I did have a chat with a few people, bumped into a few people, so that was kind of quite nice. Mark Allison, run Geordie Run, who uh listens to the podcast. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Had a nice chat with him. But anyway, I mean it, 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 I, th- I thought it was a really I thought it was a really weird atmosphere inside the stadium. It was partly where I was. I was right in the back row, um sort of in the in the middle of the bend in the away seats, and I had a kind of plastic or glass screen behind me, and then further behind me it was Tottenham fans. so it was a sort of who were, who didn't make any noise at all. It was a straight it felt like a strange atmosphere. The moment the goal went in was brilliant. it was absolutely fantastic. There was sort of two minutes of jubilation. Uh, it's, it's it's that is the worst time to concede a goal though when you when you've done that when everyone was like you know sort of flicking the V's at Spurs fans not me I should point out and like laughing and joking <laughs> and no doing it. The way and then gone, no it? one yeah. no one can bring themselves to look behind and uh, to to look but it was just it was yeah it was kind of familiar wasn't it it was that it was that reminder of the of the team this team has been in the recent past. And there was no redeeming feature to that second half. It was absolutely awful. It was it was horrible. Um, you know, I couldn't think of.
0: It was honking, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog pops the whole lot.
1: All the things that you've sort of, you know, taken as taken taken sort of for granted in the past in the past kind of couple of months. Um, you know, that there's the sort of. You know, whether it's the midfield, whether it's the centre-half, whether it's full you know, those real positions of strength in the team, there was just nothing there. It was like they'd never played together before. It was very, very familiar.
0: It was, and we kind of hoped they'd come back from that trip to Dubai, Chris, with with the kind of renewed sense of positivity and optimism, and that there had been a bit of team bonding done and stuff like that. But even the, the you know the the regular starters in the team who've looked solid and have looked like they've you know they've really cemented their places in that start in eleven. Even those guys came out and didn't put a sh- didn't put a shift in, didn't didn't put a performance. And you know we're all for this winning as a team together, and everyone having their photos taken and everything's happy. But they get thrashed as a team as well, and. To a man, one to eleven, they were rotten, weren't they? In that second half.
2: Yeah, I mean, when when we saw the the lineup, I was a little bit surprised that he hadn't gone, that Howe hadn't gone similar to how he had at, at Chelsea. I thought he might have matched up uh, Spurs with their wing backs, given how they've they gone going five, to, yeah. gone five. But the four three three actually was was working first off. As I say, Fraser was almost drop, dropping in at points to almost make it a five. And the midfield, I think a lot of us sort of, although, although Bruno Gimresh obviously was taken out of the, the, the 11, I think a lot there was a lot of understanding about that. He travelled across uh, halfway across the world. He played at altitude in, in Bolivia. And so he, he'd come back and was was taken out of the side. And that, that th- three-man midfield, the, the the John, Joe, Jojo, th- three-man midfield was back together. But they didn't really click. I thought Joe Willock was decent first half. I thought he was the one player who looked like he was going to make something happen. Yeah. But Shelby's passing was all over the place uh, first half. He kept on giving the ball away. Joel Linton, again, I didn't think... It was similar at Everton. I don't know if it's this groin injury still affecting him, but he, I didn't think he was quite as... as, as I was going to say,
0: I, I don't think he looks fit, Chris. No, I, I don't he, think he, he looks did, fully he fit. He
2: didn't get around the pitch as much. Sam Maximan, very early on, won a couple of free kicks, and, and, he, and he thought, hmm, this is what we've been waiting to see from him, but didn't really ignite either. Chris Wood basically didn't see the ball in the first half. Fraser was anonymous as well, and so it, as an attacking outlet, Newcastle had a couple of chances. Willock had that half chance or the free kick... Uh, obviously which I scored from, but there wasn't really that much there. But there was there was still there was still in the game, but second half it was it was completely ragged. George used that term. I think that's the best sort of word for it. I just I just I don't understand what had changed. And how himself was interesting, he came out afterwards and he sort of said, We chased the game and played in the wrong areas too early. Yeah. And he was right, and, and Newcastle were higher up the pitch, and obviously Cher gives away the ball for for as I think it's a second goal and a terrible yeah. defending for that. But equally as I said, I didn't think how changes necessarily helped that. If you're wanting to play in the right areas of the pitch, to then move, when you do move to a, a, a back three, to put John Joe Shelby as the middle centre back that early in the game strange. was very, very strange. And it was interesting because actually, where we were sat in the press box, Graham Jones was just behind us. And all the way through the first half, he's talking constantly and not critical of the team, but sort of picking out. Not to us, he's not talking to us. Yet. I don't know if he's talking on his microphone or whatever he is, but he's he's talking about what's going on during the game, and he's sort of saying, he's sort of, like, mm-hmm. oh, Ryan, as in Ryan Fraser, you need to, he needs to cover back there, or John Joe needs to do this. And the second half, he just basically stopped talking. <laughs> I think it had just gone so badly that every that they, they, they there's did, no there words for So this. much going wrong. <laughs> And he, there was no words, and he, he he just stopped talking because it was it it was it was difficult to watch. I mean, how easily Spurs got through. there was that chance that Son missed, where yeah. later on, where he's through one on one. How that ball managed to get through the entire Newcastle defence when at that point they were playing with three centre backs. I think at that point Lascelles may have even been on. But it was it was a very. I just thought it was a very odd half, and nobody. Uh, Associated with Newcastle United really served themselves particularly well during that second half it just seemed no. so distant from everything we used to I'm going
1: to slightly contradict myself here because I th- I do I do agree with with Chris or you know that point about them going away and then you know then putting in a performance like that that is a concern you know that I think that is a concern for them to look quite so bad after having a couple of weeks off and um you know training together, albeit with the internationals away. However, the the little bit, Chris has, Chris wrote a kind of very good piece after the match, which is, you know, seeking perspective, really. And one thing that we do have to say, we do have to point out, is that that is now the end of a run of six away games in seven matches. And that is, you know, that is, yeah. that is a pretty extreme run of fixtures. Um, and in that run, they've played at Tottenham, at Chelsea and at West Ham you know so those three clubs who were who were right at the near the top of the table and they did let themselves I mean they let themselves down at at, at Everton we know that because of the circumstances and they definitely let themselves down on Sunday but they do now have I mean I'm not I'm not saying that these these games coming up are easy but they do now have three home games coming up and you know i'm sure the atmosphere is going to be is going to be brilliant and they you know they do have an opportunity to turn it around but we do have to yeah we do have to remember that perspective i think
0: yeah we have to we have to think about how far we've come in this in this last sort of six or eight weeks the the the, the change in the mentality and the and the feeling around the club from just after christmas when we looked for all intents and purposes dead and buried didn't we Chris we, it looked like we were done uh, and it's been such a change and such a turnaround you know I, I, they've obviously worked their socks off and they've changed the way the team are playing and stuff like that um, and you know you, you can't expect to go away and get great results against some of these top top teams Spurs and Chelsea I thought we acquitted ourselves very well against Chelsea but maybe the Spurs game was a game too far and it, it, they really need to take stock now and think about what they're doing and, and hopefully put together a run Performances against against Wolves and Palace, etc.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the reason that this defeat, uh, other other than the fact that they were absolutely shambolic during the second half, I think that the, the fact that it felt like this was because of what what we've been accustomed to in the last three months, but that sort of masked what Newcastle actually were before that they won once in the first half of the season once they didn't win until the 14th match yeah. 15th match in all competitions and it even took Howe a long time to turn them around and even when you go back to that 9 game uh, unbeaten run it was excellent but a lot of those games were, were just they're just shaded really I mean the, the second half against Everton, they were very good, but first half was sort of mixed. Brentford obviously they dominated, but they were against ten men. But you look at the the other wins in there, Southampton that they come that, that come yeah. from yeah. behind it to to win that one. Then um, the, the other their other victories were, were all sort of narrow, in their leads was a very very narrow win. Villa they weren't brilliant, um, and they weren't they weren't great against Brighton either. But what they did was they found a way to win, and they managed to get through it. And until they lost against. Chelsea, I think that was only them and and Liverpool who were unbeaten so far in 2022. Before Sunday, Newcastle hadn't conceded more than once in a game so far in 2022, the only Premier League side to have done that. So there was so much positive in the the, the fact that they have come so far. But the reality is, though, they were never as good as a nine game unbeaten run they were probably overperforming at that point and they're not as bad as they as they were in that second half against Spurs and that's where you bring the perspective of to where the Oxley Yeah, did, very good point it's been the extremes in Newcastle all season really and we saw we saw unfortunately the negative extreme of that on Sunday and it's about bouncing back now and it was how was interesting after the game he was, he was he was keen not to to sort of criticize his players but there was also he was asked a couple of times out whether it was a sort of wake up call and he said not to hear me. he always knew the position they're in. He's been trying to trying to stress that to his players, but he can't uh fully influence what the players think. players think for their own accord. And I just thought that there was a sort of sense there that maybe he thinks a couple of them have let the levels drop a little bit. and he's hoping that this turns out to have been as as bad as an occasion as this was then in a few weeks time they're going to look back on it and say that was that was the moment that really gave us that final push to get through to the end of the season.
1: We also have to say that Spurs were very, very good. Second half, the win. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought they were excellent, and I, you know, I, uh, I would love Newcastle to have a player like Son, who I just thought he was he oh, was so God. beautiful to watch. I mean, I actually enjoyed. He's watching astonishing, him. isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so direct. Yeah. He's just direct. Yeah, so direct, so quick. He glides over the turf, doesn't he?
0: When he runs with the ball, I've never seen anyone move. Like that, he's so quick, but he's so agile, and he just glides with the ball. He's, he's a beautiful footballer. Yeah, the
1: and there were kind of some moments. Fantastic. There were there were there were a couple of moments where Newcastle had the ball, and you know they were they were passing the ball, and you know that's still a bit of a that's still a bit of a novelty, and I enjoy that. But then when suddenly when Spurs got the ball and moved it, they were moving it so quickly it was like they were thinking three passes ahead. Yeah, they do. And you know Newcastle. Yeah, exactly as Chris said. Newcastle haven't suddenly become a top six team just because they they had that form. You know, they're they're still they're still a, a mediocre team, and um, they have got a long, long way to go before they reach Tottenham's level. That's for certain.
0: Absolutely. Is it fair to say, George, we can put the last three games down to some sort of footballing hangover, maybe?
1: Well, um, if if you want to make that point, that's fine. I don't. I don't have the
2: stamina. He didn't find that very amusing, I don't, did, he, did he? Taylor? I don't yeah, think he. Did, I don't think liked that. Really, no.
1: to, I don't. I, no. don't to, um, I don't have the stamina to. I don't have the
0: stamina Definitely not the day you don't. Anyway, a nice little. Uh, well, not nice, but an interesting tweet from one of our owners made that Gadusi, who uh, before the match said match day to what I think is a celebration emojis no feeling like it big smiley face good luck lads show them what we're made of hot hashtag NUFC hashtag Premier League and then after the game bad day (laughs) yeah that that sums it up that sums it up not even a frowny face to go with it it was a bad day
2: We've got to get out of
0: this bog. Got, got to
1: work, get out of this bog. Mm. Chris does have the smallest bladder um, known to man as well, which is um, it's it's not easy for him to steer clear of. Uh, Chris has to plan all journeys, large or small, to factor in the positioning of public lavatories. Isn't that true, Chris? Amazing.
2: It is true, and that's something I inherit from my father, who arguably has a smaller bladder than me. So that that's yes, that's what I've inherited from him. Did you go
1: back on the train? Did you risk it again?
2: I did actually, yeah, but by that point I, I, I knew that I had the sort of capability that someone could come and rescue me, so I did feel a bit nervous I felt more nervous coming back actually on the on the Monday, uh, when I did I did try to last as long as I possibly could, but I did eventually go to the toilet All right.
0: Chris you're not the only person who's ever done this a mate of mine was on the train once going down to London and he went to the loo and he thought he had locked the door and it was one of those big sliding doors and he thought he had locked it and in the middle of doing his business the, the entire wall oh, of, this. The, of the cubicle slid away to unveil him to the rest of the carriage like a fucking prize on a game show
1: they are a bit <laughs> like that those doors aren't they you never <laughs> totally have the automated I never feel mechanism. safe in there no no anyway
0: let's move on so, after the relentless triumph of our uh, Twitter spaces that we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're going to go live on the Athletic app at 6pm British Summertime this Thursday, April 6th. Uh, it's a new feature, this, and we're going to give it a go for the first time, and after the Twitter spaces where Chris uh, managed to mangle uh, the entire thing, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but... It should be fun. Um, subscribers can join in.
2: Uh, am I not going to be in charge of this one then? Am, am I going to be left in charge of this one? Well,
0: perilously, Chris, you and George are the ones who are allowed to let people in
1: or out of the uh, the space to talk. So I would say we'll just leave that to George. <laughs> if if the Twitter spaces proves something, his episode at the weekend proved another. Don't leave Chris <laughs> in charge of buttons because he just doesn't know what to do or himself or himself. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, subscribers can join in,
0: uh, and if you follow Newcastle United on the Athletic app, you'll get a notification, and Chris and George can bring you into the conversation. And don't worry, uh, if you're not a subscriber, you can still hear it live as well. You need to look out for the link on Twitter. Um, but if you are not a subscriber, you'll only be able to listen.
1: You won't be able to actually join in.
0: Um, what are we uh, What are we going to be chatting about, chaps? George, have we got anything on on uh, on the page for that?
1: Well, um, there's lots of things to chat about. Obviously, there's, there's recent... Um... The team's recent form. We're approaching six months post takeover, so I think that feels like a bit of a, a bit of a natural conversation to have. And of course, Wolves away was the last game pre takeover. So, as we look forward to welcoming Wolves to St James's, we can sort of have a little think about, uh, think about that too. So I think there's um, a few things to to have a chat about as well as all the usual nonsense.
0: And obviously the, the the results of this uh, chat, this live chat that we're going to have, are going to be published as a bonus podcast on Friday uh, in time for everyone to have a little listen to that on the way to the Wolves match, maybe. Um, Chris, what anything in particular that you want to talk about on on uh, on Thursday? Is there anything you want to broach? Uh,
2: Favourite types of Easter egg? Nice. Like, well, I'm just ch- yeah, approaching that sort of time. So ch- and in terms of just Easter egg, sorry, on that, on that note, for those who are going to the game on Friday... The Newcastle United fans food bank uh, will be there, and they are looking for part of the it's their Easter egg drive um, for obviously children in the who so whose families will use will use the food bank. So if you are going to the game and are able to, to bring a couple of Easter eggs with you to drop off there, that would be wonderful. But in terms of to chat about Newcastle United and things related to the club. I think I think there's a big debate at the moment about sort of about well both about the midfield. Does Bruno mm. start on Friday? Does Bruno Gimresh come into the into the 11? I personally would bring him into the team and I think a lot of people would be of 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 that opinion. And the other big talking point really is up front. Chris Wood, how's he actually been since January 25 million pound signing one goal in 11 games? Eddie Howe described him on Friday as having been outstanding for Newcastle United is, is how he described him so do people agree with that do they want to see yeah. Dwight Gale the footballer who doesn't play football anymore given an opportunity um, <laughs> or do they do they want to see Alan saint through the middle what do they want and how do they feel about the situation so yeah
0: plenty of things to talk about absolutely uh, and a little bit of a coincidence that we're trialling this just as Alan Robson announces his retirement from the Night Owls radio show <laughs> have you been on there chris have you uh, i imagine you're the kind of person who rings into night owls 11 o'clock at night nothing to do hello alan
2: <laughs> yeah just have a chat about the, someone to knock the bins over in the street or whatever as
1: so you, you just that's it yeah hello alan i'm calling from me toilet where i've locked myself in
0: <laughs> i'm on a train couldn't think of who else to call I think there might be a ghost in here with his Alan. Then Alan, Alan would be interested, then wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, he Definitely. would yeah. You're
0: gonna have to explain
2: who Alan Robson Night Owls is, because a lot of people who listen to this podcast are not going to know Taylor. So you're gonna have to give it Alan all.
0: Robson is a is a uh, a veteran of the airwaves, isn't he, chaps? He's a, a well known uh, name in the northeast. He's had a show called Night Owls, which has run for an awful long time, and Alan's retiring. Uh, so best of luck to Alan Robson retiring from Night Owls. It's a, it's an amazing listener. Sometimes put it on on the way home from work on a night time on a weekend and. Let's say you get a lot of characters on there, don't you? But well, there we go. Uh, so remember, check out live on the Athletic app at 6 pm British Summer Time this Thursday, April 7th. I said April 6th earlier on, and it's the 5th today, so it must be the 7th on Thursday, April 7th at 6 pm on the Athletic app,
2: which is exactly six months since the takeover. That's excellent.
0: Um, uh, Yeah, you'll be able to talk to uh, myself, George and Chris and ask us all kinds of silly questions if you are so inclined. Uh, Right then, just before we move on, just a little bit of a reminder. At the minute, you can subscribe to The Athletic now and get your first six months at just £1 a month when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all the great writing and analysis as well as ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast's And as mentioned, you can participate fully in our live room. So make your way to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and sign up now for six months at just £1 a month.
2: I and you can't get out of it. God, I am so pleased this podcast is
0: nearly over. Cuz you need a wee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's easy for this to not happen, Chris, just be better. You know what I mean, just 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 generally be better.
1: <laughs> he I I have to I have to say Chris did absolutely volunteer this as well. He put this on the on the app in his much day Q&A that he was doing. He volunteered that. So I don't feel bad for this public shaming because he'd already shamed himself.
0: Fair play. Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. Uh, right then, Newcastle United
0: are back in action on Friday night. And Wolverhampton Wanderers are the visitors to St James's Park in what promises to be an exciting tempestuous affair under the lights. Uh home sweet home it's an important run of games at St James's Park now George and like we mentioned before we've got three home games coming up and Newcastle United really need to start picking up some points.
1: Yes definitely there needs to be I hate using the word response because it sounds very uh Steve Brucey but um but there does need to
0: speaking to Steve Bruce what about the away end
2: George I haven't mentioned? That. Yeah yeah yeah
1: it was funny um I uh, as I came out well it wasn't funny. I came out on uh, Sunday and there was there was a lot of long long faces i mean i stayed right till the end obviously and um was there when when the players came came to the far end of the pitch to applaud applaud the fans and then as i uh, as i trooped out um in the in the concourse at the away end they had um they've got loads and loads of tv screens and they were all all of them were showing sky sports news and steve bruce's face was on them, so Newcastle fans came out as they were coming out. There was Steve Bruce's <laughs> the first thing like, they saw. Oh no, it was quite funny. And you did hear people going, Oh, for fuck's sake, oh, God, it's just what we need, just what we want. Oh, God's sake. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Um, yes, and I'd, actually, I did, I wanted um, j- just very briefly, I wanted to mention Denise and Nicola, who came up to me uh, during the match. They came over at half time to say, to say they listened to the podcast. They, um, they they wanted to make a point about safe standing, which I've lo- which I loved. I mean, so there were there were there are big big areas of uh, Spurs which are safe standing. So they have the rails, um, sort of like Chelsea, and I really liked it. They were making the point that they couldn't see they couldn't see anything, um, so they had a terrible view. Now I know oh, really? people stand up in the way ends anyway. You know they're not supposed to, but they but they do anyway. So I'm I don't know whether I don't know whether it would have made any difference. For them uh, on Sunday, but it was something to yeah, it was something to think about that um, actually for a lot of people, if it's if there are sta- you know purely standing areas in a in 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 an end, it it's going to make the view worse for for some of them. But anyway, anyway, I wanted to shout out and say hello to De- Denise and Nicola.
0: Nice one. Chris, this 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 set of games that are coming up, starting with Wolves. Like George says, we need a response, don't we? But it's how do how do Newcastle bounce back from this now? Is there going to be tactical changes? Do we see a personnel change, or what is what is the way forward?
2: Well, they're not easy games. I mean, the the fact that they've got Wolves, who are an informed team, challenging for, uh, for European places. They haven't got Leicester, who've picked up a bit of form, and then Palace, who've just obviously dismantled Arsenal 3-0. So the three home games they're not they're not an easy easy one to fix fixture by any stretch but Newcastle's home form has been very good. Yeah. They've won each of the last 3 under how that they've done well at St James's Park. So that they'll be they'll be keen to get back there the fans will really be behind them. Uh another sell out and will there be tactical changes? I would suspect that that that, that Bruno Gimresh would come into to the 11. So I think that that he will come in. I thought that he made a difference when he came on the pitch. I thought he was able to move the ball and give Newcastle a bit more progress going forward. He looked like he was trying to do things in possession. Yeah, I think there'll be a couple of players who may be dropped. I have a feeling that Javier Manquillo, I mean, he got pulled after the, the after the what happened with the first, uh, the second goal, and I suspect yeah. that we'll see Emil Kraft come back in, which may not be to everyone's necessary liking, but maybe gives them a bit more defensive solidity. Elsewhere, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how how we'll change it. Maybe he'll he change system. I, I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully, Alan Sart Maximum will be more comfortable playing at Saint James's as well. He seems to have yeah. particularly when Newcastle attacked the Gallagher in the second half. He seems to enjoy that second half of games. He seems to be better running downhill. Whether that's just because he prefers that, <laughs> I, 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 I yeah. don't know exactly what, but. So I I think there's a lot more going in their favor because of this thing being back at Saint James is 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 important psychologically. I think the crowd will make a difference, but Wolves are a very very good team, and it will be a very very difficult match on Friday, and it'll be interesting to see if Howe has decided that he needs to change things up or whether he still. Maintains faith in what was working before and just hopes that the, the, yeah. that the second half at Spurs was an aberration because they were poor at Everton, but I think that was slightly different in the sense it was after a long run of games they were tired that that too, but to come back from the two week break and play like that for a game they've sort of focused on was it was a bit concerning. So hopefully there will be uh, hopefully they'll be they'll be better far better than they were in that second half. They can't be much worse, let's be honest. So.
0: Yeah. Um George Chris Chris Wood still struggling up front for goals, but he does he does bring a certain something to the to the starting eleven. He's he's allowing Newcastle to play slightly higher and, and and putting a bit of pressure on the back line, but he's gonna be judged on those goals, isn't he? Is is there gonna be a point when Eddie Howe decides to hook him and, and, and put in somebody else? I mean we're we are limited for options, aren't we?
1: Well I think that's the case. I mean I think up until Sunday I would have always I'd have defended him. Um it's very difficult to defend him after Sunday. He didn't it's, get a sniff, did no, he? No, it's very difficult to defend any of them after after sunday and um, is you know his touch i don't think his touch is great um he has given he has given newcastle an option i want to see them play with a striker so um you know they don't have many options with callum wilson uh, injured and clearly you know uh, you know I don't, I don't think dwight gales going to get a game so i mean all i would say about wood is that you know he was part of the team during that that run of games that they went unbeaten and Lovely so one, yeah. he has to take credit for that but yeah i mean that you know the goal he scored against southampton has not been a springboard has it um and i thought i thought he was very poor i thought he was very very poor against tottenham you know but but there are, i don't really want to go back to the days with some maxam playing, playing through the middle. Um, and as I say, I just don't think there are many options. I think, I think Sink maximum has got a bit of a point to prove there's, you know, we mentioned him last week. There is, there is, you know, there's a bit of sort of noise around him at the minute and it's, you know, about whether he might be leaving, about whether Newcastle might accept a bid for him in the summer, that sort of stuff. And it would be good to see him getting a grip of a game in the way that we know he can.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Right, George, you've uh, got a little bit of information about the Newcastle uh, United Foundation as well, haven't you?
1: Yes. So I was at the launch of Newcastle, which is spelled N-U-Castle, which is the new hub for the Newcastle United Foundation. And um, it's an £8 million building. It's absolutely beautiful. There are kind of very recognisable footballing facilities in it. There's a rooftop pitch and there are sports hall equipment, but it's also the hub for um, the foundation's community work. You know, they do amazing things in terms of uh, employment and education, um, social mobility, all sorts of stuff. And yeah, I went to the launch of the building and I had a quick chat with Sarah Medcalf, who was the deputy head of the foundation about the building opening.
3: Newcastle has really been a project that's been five years in the making. It's been a real journey for the, for the Newcastle United Foundation but also for the community and we've really got the community involved in this centre to get their input into what they wanted to, to see um, activity-wise. So there will be a range of sports, health, educational programmes that will be delivered on this fabulous football pitch on the roof in some of the educational digital facilities that we've got in the sports hall. But I think for the region, uh, as I, I've mentioned uh, earlier in the event today, we can't do this alone. We can't bring about kind of societal change as the foundation. We have to do it in partnership. So we've uh, heard from a range of funders, partners, supporters today that have really helped us on this journey. Um, and we all we have the same mission. We want to build a united community. We want to bring about change. We want to improve outcomes for young people and other communities that we serve. And, and we're looking forward to the next five years.
1: I mean, the foundation's been doing brilliant work in the in the city for a long time now. But it becomes a bit easier to tell that story, doesn't it, when you have a base like this in which you you can sort of have classrooms in which you can people can play football and get together and things like that.
3: Definitely. I think as, as a young person, if you can um, as part of some education go into one of our um, classrooms in the morning and do CV workshops and kind of build confidence and then play on this amazing football pitch where you have a view of St James's Park and do this physical activity in the, the confidence building to have all of that under one roof is quite unique for, this, uh, for the city. So yeah we're looking forward to welcoming up to about 100,000 people every year to, to access those opportunities
1: I mean it's not all football stories that that will be happening here every day but it's about the power of football and what football can do to sort of initiate change in people's lives and Newcastle fans should be very very proud of this shouldn't they
3: yeah I think we we understand the power of, of football and the passion for football especially in the North East and we know that with the young people that we work with, the fact that we have the Newcastle United brand to, to really engage them and get them interested in those initial programmes when they may have been on lots of different employability programmes, but they just haven't felt like it's for them. But to be able to use that power of football to get them into a building like this, but then really understand what their needs are, how they want to develop. So yes, it's the power that initially engages those young people, but it's actually the work of the, our delivery team that is, is about really delivering those social outcomes fantastic
0: stuff an amazing facility they've got up there now George isn't it it's absolutely beautiful
1: yeah it's absolutely brilliant and people can um people people can go and look at it you can also you can book out the there's the sports hall spaces you, so you can play football on the roof looking out across to St James's but it is something that that we we should all be very very proud of I don't think uh the foundation has has always been able to sort of tell its story brilliantly uh, sort of particularly over the last decade under the previous regime because you know it's very difficult for any part of the club to tell its story but it's it's something that um you know the, the foundation does in- incredible work all the way across the region having its own base like this that they can work at. i mean it won't stop them from from um from doing stuff across the region but having this base i think sort of makes sense it becomes easier to sort of describe what they do and how they do it and um yeah we should all be very proud very proud of them for what they've done and it's a it's a fantastic home for the charity. Absolutely, uh, we have to say
0: congratulations to Becky Langley as well, the, uh, the women's team gaffer, uh, for receiving a Manager of the Month award. Becky took to Twitter uh, to say, proud to receive this award on behalf of my dedicated team of staff and leaders that work incredibly hard behind the scenes. All our focus is now on Sunday, and our four remaining league fixtures, without a doubt, as a group of staff and players, we will be given everything on Sunday. Congratulations, Becky and the ladies as well. Chris, they're doing well at the minute, aren't they? They've put a few results together
2: yeah and actually played their promotion rivals at the weekend drew 1-1 with Liverpool and so they are still in prime position to hopefully get that promotion slot so they're they're doing very very well all building up to, to that game at St. James's at the start of next month so yeah wonderful wonderful for them at the minute
0: Should be a great occasion, that. And finally, Chris wanted to send belated congratulations to the Canadian men's football team, who have qualified for the World Cup. Chris, great story this may be, but there's lots of teams headed for Qatar, so why is this one particularly relevant to us?
2: Yes, I apologise that we didn't get this in the podcast last week. This was my oversight. But uh, John Herdman is the manager of the the Canadian uh, men's team, and he's taken them their first World Cup since... Uh, 1986. He wow. is from Concert in County Durham I mean, and isn't. is a big Newcastle United fan but he's travelled the world he's been New Zealand, he's been uh, in North America managing men's and women's teams and done, done very very well. I mean they comfortably qualified, they finished above the USA in qualification up there uh, really has he's got some very good players, I mean obviously the Players in, now in Europe at Bayern Munich and the likes play for the Canadian national team. But to to have got them there, he's done ex he's done excellent work, and now he's been rewarded with they're in Group F at the World Cup after Friday's draw, with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. So uh, best of luck to, to them in the tricky draw up. Yeah, but best of luck to them when they when it comes to comes to win the World Cup. Very very well done, and I'm sure David Edgar's delighted
0: for Newcastle and Canada player. Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Right then, just before we wrap up, don't forget to join us live on the Athletic app at 6pm uh, on Thursday, April 7th. That's 6pm British Summer Time. This Thursday, April the 7th on the Athletic app for all kinds of shenanigans. I'm sure it'll be completely plain sailing and nothing will go wrong whatsoever. Uh, thanks very much, chaps, for your time. George, make sure you hydrate. Yeah.
1: Yes, thank you. Go back yes, to bed. That's my,
0: um... Chris, try not to get yourself locked in any other modes of transport this week uh, and hopefully we'll see you uh, I might see you on Friday at the, uh, the Wolves game I think you're going on you, I've got a ticket myself, yes we shall be there yes, I think the whole trio are going so all will put on the time trio pod on the time trio excellent right then thanks very much for listening ladies and gents out there in podcast land we shall be back uh, next week and we shall be back on Thursday for that live room so uh, from all of us at pod on the time thank you very much and we shall speak to you soon bye bye we're caught in a trap <laughs> I can't walk out caught in a bog because
2: I am I'm, I'm, le- I'm leaving now
1: I can't work out how to use the door Don't you I'm caught in the bog in the And I can't get out i I better ring someone you know to I'm let me go I can't
0: walk out. We're caught in the bog
1: Chris's furious
0: little face. He is. His little face, bless him. Sorry, Chris.
2: You're not sorry, though, are you?
0: No. No, not at all, no. <laughs> Lovely stuff. The Athletic.